Hey, so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online. And we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Are we good? Actually, you're looking quite good. Yeah, you don't look too bad from here. Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, you're looking really good. I think the youth, uh, we're having youth today, is that right? If the youth would like to make their way out, that would be great. Well, welcome. If this is your first time at Fields Church, we want to welcome you. Just enjoy the service. Just be relaxed and chilled. We're going to be relaxed and chilled as we share the word of life with you this morning. I'm just going to pray and we'll get into our message. Father God, I just thank you. Let's just bow our hearts before the Lord. The last lady to share was Claudia. And I've been privileged as a pastor to see so many broken people find wholeness in him. It's the only place you're going to find wholeness and peace in your life. Because peace is a person, his name is Jesus. Father, I thank you for a sense of your peace today. That if people have come in broken and hurt, you know, Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He came for the marginalized, those who were in sin. He hung around with tax collectors and prostitutes. People that the Pharisees probably wouldn't even consider being with. But every time he was with people, I believe that they could sense the peace of God because Jesus is our peace. I pray this morning, Father God, that you will bring peace to every heart, to those who feel a little broken, a little marginalized, a little bit lonely, a little bit hurt, a little bit forsaken, a little bit overlooked. Father, you never overlook anybody. And I thank you, Father, for Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Father, as I share the word of life this morning, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would just come, fill every person in this place full to overflowing that they'll be filled with a sense of your peace a sense of your love a sense of your hope this morning I thank you Father God that the word is like a seed and the heart is the soil and your word Father God says it's incorruptible it will go out and produce that which God purposes it in our hearts to fulfill in our lives the dreams and visions that God has and the plans that God has for us. And I thank you, Father God, that as I share this morning, that faith will rise in every heart, dispelling all doubt, fear, and unbelief. And if you love the Lord, you'll say, Amen. Amen. Well, we're uh, in this series on spiritual gifts. And this morning, we're going to have a look at a subject this morning and next week about uh, the gift of tongues or our heavenly prayer language. And you know what? This, for some reason, this is one of the most controversial gifts in the church. It really is, and it defies opinion, depending on what you've been taught, or where you've grown up in church, and so on. I, I, was, um, I got saved in a very big charismatic church in South Africa, and they sent us here to plant this church 25 years ago. So we would see the gifts in operation, not just hear about them on a Sunday. You're going to hear about 
these gifts today and next week, like you've been hearing over the last few weeks and so on. But in South Africa, where we lived, we didn't just hear about the gifts. We saw the gifts operate week on week in our congregation. And that's amazing. I don't think any of you have experienced sort of miracles and wonders happening every single week in church. It's amazing. It really is amazing. So I think my goal over the next two weeks is to get you to see that the gift of tongues is God-given. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to give, I believe, each and every one of us. And firstly, I want to lay a, a foundation that might seem a little strange, because I think when you hear teaching, mainly people want to go to Acts chapter 2, and that's where they want to start when they talk about the spiritual gift of tongues. But I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis 11. We're going to go back. I'm going to give you some a real foundation to this teaching. And then next week, we're going to have a look at the benefit that we have when we are able to pray in tongues, a heavenly language. You know, when Esther and I first got saved in this massive great church, uh, I remember hearing this language for the very first time, and, and I was a bit of a skeptic. I thought, these, these people are a bit stupid. What's, what's that they're saying? What's that they're singing? And I thought they would, that it sounded like, uh, Rondai Shondai, I like your bow tie. That's what it sounded like. Or Yabba Dabba too, I love you too. And we can laugh about that. But when I received teaching about these, about these gifts, it really opened my mind up to what God really has planned and purposed for us as believers. So, you know, I believe it's one of the most powerful tools in our armory. It's like a, a nuclear weapon. When we pray in English, you know, God, or Afrikaans, or, or wherever you're from, if you're Greek, if you pray uh, in any language, God hears, he listens, and he answers prayers. But our heavenly language is something very different. It's very special. And I love that heavenly language. I love being on my own, just talking to God in my heavenly language. And I feel built up and encouraged. So if you've got your place, are you at Genesis 11, verse 1, we're going to go to New King James. I'm not going to go into the history of all of this or the background or give you the context. What I'd like you to do is read the context when you're at home. I just don't have the time to cover all of that as we look at this story. Well, this is about the Tower of Babel, isn't it? In Genesis 11. And we're going to read the text now. It says, Now the whole earth had one language. Everyone say one language. Wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't it be easy when you go to a foreign country and you don't know the language and you're trying to communicate with someone, they can't understand you, you can't understand them. It's a bit difficult. So I think this would be a good thing. How many of you think that would be a good thing? Because when you go to France, you've got to learn a bit of French. If you go to Germany, you've got to learn a bit of German. Is that true? And languages are wonderful, aren't they? Who loves the French? Who likes to hear the French language? It's so flavoursome, isn't it? Like they're cooking, a bit flavoursome. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Verse 3. Then they said to one another, Come. What are the next two words? Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come. What are the next two words? Let us build ourselves a city and a tower 
whose top is in the heavens. What are the next two words? Let us make a what? A name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. Now the people wanted to do two, three things. Who can remember what those three things were in that verse? If you were listening, this side, I'm sure you know the three things that you heard in those verses that these people wanted to do. Any, any ideas? Sorry, make bricks. That's not the answer I'm looking for. Make a name for themselves was one of them. That's the third one. This side, there's three things in that text. Build a city. Thank you. Sorry? Build a tower that reaches heaven. Well done. See, I could have put that up on the board and saved you uh, a little less time. I don't think I've put it there. Why haven't I put it there? Ah, there it is. Isn't it? I could have put that up and saved all that embarrassment. Did you feel embarrassed when I asked you the question? I'll tell you what, John. I, you know, if I'd have been in your class, I think I'd have failed. Really. I thought we were going to get a, an English lesson after the mass. I went right back to school again. And when John had that red pen, I thought, uh-oh, you know, someone's going to get a red mark. But they're not allowed to do that now, are they? In my day, I had a lot of red. A lot of red. Hey. And I didn't really like school, but when I look back, they're the best days of your life. They really are. So if you're going to school, stay in school. Don't... I used to bunk school a lot. And this, I've mentioned this, I'll just confess now. I mentioned this story once before, but we had a truant officer. Do they have them today? I'll probably ask this question. And our truant officer, when we bunked off, would open the letterbox and he would shout, I know you're in there. Come on, you need to get into school. I was a bit of a rebel. How many rebels have we got here today? Come on, let's hear it for the rebels. Great. Now, I want you to remember those three things. To build a city, build a tower, and make a name for ourselves. And I'm going to question you afterwards. I'm going to pick on someone. I'm going to pick on someone to recite that back to me at the end of the service. Is that all right? Otherwise, I'm going to borrow John's red pen. What do we discover about these people? It's, and this desire, it's man-centered, isn't it? They're self-exalting. They're focusing on self-preservation. They're self-glorying and they're self-edifying. And here we have in this story what I'd like to call the terrible twins. The terrible twins are taking no pride and rebellion. They're the terrible twins. So write that down as you're taking notes. Pride and rebellion is at the very heart of this story. And you know, who's the author of pride and rebellion? Any idea? Satan. Satan. Oh, there you go. People don't like to hear that name in church these days, do they? Satan is behind every ungodly person on the planet because he's called the ruler of this present age. So let's have a look at a couple of verses that refer to Satan as the father of pride and rebellion. So if you've got your Bibles, keep your place in Genesis 11. And go with me to Isaiah 14, verse 12. And although these next few verses make reference to the king of Babylon, there's a second, there's a second reverence, uh, reference to the fall of Satan. And the heading in my Bible says, the fall of Lucifer. I don't know whether you know these verses that we're going to look at right now. Isaiah 14, verse 12. It's Ezekiel, isn't it? There's another passage. Is it in Ezekiel? Where are the scholars here? Trevor and John. It's Ezekiel, isn't it? There's another passage, so it refers to this. 
but we're not going to go there. Right, Isaiah 14, 12, are you there yet? Yes? No, okay. It's like the kids in the back of the car, isn't it? Are you there yet? Right. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who, what does it say? Weakened the nations. He's weakened the nations. And here we see in the next few verses the five I wills of Satan. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Verse 14. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. What's the middle letter of sin? And there we see the five I. It's all about self, isn't it? Sin. And there we see the five I wills there. And we can see that in this story that we're reading in Genesis. If you'd like to go back there, turn to verse 5 with me, if you would. So this is where pride and rebellion originate. So pride and rebellion is at the very heart of this story. But what's God's response? Let's have a look at that. In Genesis 11, verse 5, it says in the New King James, But the Lord came down to to see the city... And the tower which the sons of men built, and he was very pleased. Thought, what a lovely building. Isn't that amazing? No, what did the Lord say? He said in verse 6, And the Lord said, And the Lord said, I indeed, indeed the people are one. What are they? They're one. You know this power in unity? You know, where there's unity in the body of Christ, the the, the Bible says that the Lord commands a blessing, but he's not going to command a blessing over these guys. It says, indeed, the people are one. Remember that. The people are what? They're one. And they all have what? One language. And this is what they begin to do. Look at this. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. The Lord could see the power and the unity and the purpose, as these people are one, they had one language, what that power could bring. Nothing they do will be withheld from them. That's power, isn't it? So what was the problem? You know, after the flood, God commanded humanity to increase in number on the earth. But humanity did the exact opposite. And we can see in verse 3 and 4, three times they say, let us, let us. Let us. It's all about them, isn't it? It's all about them. Verse 7. Come. This is God now. How does God respond? Let us. Who's he speaking to? Hey, Father and the Holy Spirit. Who's he talking to? Who's the Father talking about? The Holy Spirit and Jesus, right? Come, let us. Go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. What I want us to see here is these people were one in thought. They were one in purpose. They were one in deed and one in language. So what's the problem? Is there a problem with that? Pride and rebellion says, I don't need God. Pride and rebellion says, I can find the solutions to my own problems. I don't need you in my life. That's what pride and rebellion says. So we can see that God brought judgment on these people. 
and confused their language so that they couldn't understand one another. So what's this got to do with the gift of tongues? You might think, well, it has nothing to do with it. I love the next verse that we're going to see. It's in Zephaniah 3, verse 9. It says, For then I will restore, everyone say restore, to the people a pure language, that they may all, that they all may call on my name, on the name of the Lord, to serve him with one accord. God brings judgment on a people and confuses their language. So language is the problem because there's power in that. And yet he says right here in in this verse that he's going to restore a pure language for his people. You know that word restore means the following. It means to bring back or reestablish a previous right practice or situation. So God is going to redeem a language for the people of God that will bless him to empower us with this language. And like like I said, next week we're going to really dig in deep to what this means and, and explain why this is really important. You know, I've heard some people say to me um, that they've been told that this, this language, this prayer language, the, 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 uh, this prayer language is of the devil, that it's not of God. And yet Jesus said in one of the Gospels, he said, you will speak with new tongues. You will heal the sick. You will raise the dead. So that's from Jesus. So we can believe what Jesus says. Is that right? Some people say that these gifts are no longer for today. There are people that we call them cessationists. They don't believe that the gifts are in operation today, that that ended with the early church. But if Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit so that he could go around doing good, and the same with the disciples and the apostles, what about us today? Why aren't these gifts seen more prevalent in the church today? I think they need to be. I think we don't need to, you know, we need to see them and explain them and teach about them and then practice them in our churches. Because I don't know about you, I want the presence of God in my life. And I believe we do have the presence of God in our life. But I think the church needs the power of God as well, along with the presence. Because it is all about presence, isn't it? Who likes to be in his presence? In his presence is what? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Being in God's presence is fullness of joy. So God wants to redeem this language. And he wants to replace it with a heavenly language, this language that these people had. Get a box of chocolate. Remember now the three things that I spoke about earlier. You're going to get a box of chocolates. Anyone from this side, get a box of chocolates. Andrew's got the chocolates at home. If you can remember what those three things were. Anyone that side? Sorry, I can't hear you. Build a city. Build a tower. And what else? Make a name for themselves. What was the first thing? What was the first thing that they wanted to do? To build a city. You know, God is building his own true city. The new Jerusalem that is coming down from heaven. Can we say amen to that? So nothing that man can create. What was the second thing they wanted to build? A tower to reach the heavens. You know what Proverbs 18 verse 10 says? 
The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are... There was an old song like that. I don't quite like the song, but there is a song like that, isn't there? Hey, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I see the old guys, they know these songs. But I don't, I don't particularly like the song because you know you can play a song to death, can't you? And it ever was played to death, like most songs, like Shine Jesus. No, we're not going to mention Shine Jesus, Shine ever again in a church setting. Amen? <laughs> shine Jesus, Shine. Hey, it is a nice song. No, you're right, it is. And I like some of the oldies. I like some of the old hymns that, that become sort of new and fresh, you know, delivered in a, in, a, in a different way, in a fresh way. Because that's our heritage as Christians, isn't it? All those things. So we're not despising those things. But I think we need to move on, move on don't we? I believe the message of the gospel needs to be the same, but our methods need to change. The old rugged cross is not going to do it for young people, is it? Hey, we need methods. And I know this, you know, we try and create an atmosphere. This is a school. We try and create an atmosphere in this church to make it less of a school. But the most important thing is God's presence. And Jesus is here. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is here. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Jesus is the true strong tower that we can run into and be safe. You know, the root word for tower is a fortified city or a stronghold. Isn't that good to know? When we run into the arms of Jesus, it's like being in a fortified city. It's like being in this wonderful place. What was the third thing they wanted to do? They make a name for themselves. What title, I know Jesus has many titles, but what title did God give Jesus? The name above all names. Amen. God doesn't want to make... He doesn't want us to focus on making a name for ourselves, but focus on the name that's above all names. Because only Jesus can satisfy. There's only one like him, isn't there? Let's go back to Genesis 11, verse 6. Isn't it wonderful when these things work? Come on, say get cross with it, pastor, and throw it at the end of the room. Okay. It's not there. Genesis 11 verse 6. Was it there? Okay. God said, because they had one heart and one purpose, one language, nothing will be withheld from them. I think that's really powerful. And what they're saying is, that's very powerful. They're basically saying, God's basically saying that they can accomplish anything they want to do. And that's without God. That's what God was saying, and that's what he was seeing. Because he wasn't in the picture. They didn't want to know God. And you know, the, where, where did the flood appear? Not, for, not long before that, amen? Not long before this when God saw these, these guys building a tower and just doing their own thing again. And yet, they, obviously, they didn't learn anything. But what can we accomplish as Christians with God? Let's go to the next few verses. And this is where it really all happens, isn't it? Jesus appears to the disciples in Acts chapter 1. And he says, I'm leaving you guys. I'm going. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send one just like me. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you forever. He's going to show you things to come. Isn't that good? He says he's going to be a comforter. How many of us like the Holy Spirit, love the Holy Spirit being our comforter? Because he can comfort us more than any person can. Amen? 
And so Jesus goes off into heaven and there are disciples just looking up. And But what he was basically saying, guys, it's really down to you. And they didn't really get him when he said, I'm going to die, go on a cross, and I'm going to be resurrected again. And they really just didn't understand that until later on in the book of Acts where we see that after he'd risen. But this is where this all begins. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is the kind of unity that God will and wants to bless. And suddenly, I like that. Don't you like the suddenness in Scripture? How many could do with a suddenly right now? Suddenly God comes and meets my need right now. Suddenly comes and... God comes and heals my body right now. Isn't that amazing? Would like, we'd be like suddenlies like that. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many of you would have been a bit scared by that? 120 in the upper room waiting for about 10 days. Waiting for the promise of the Father. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to send you the promise of the Father. And he kept reiterating that as he was with them during those final days that we can see in Scripture. I'm going to read that again. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Look what happened there. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire. How many of you would have been freaked out looking at your neighbor in the congregation and then fire comes from his hat or his head? Hey, you'd have been a bit freaked, I'd have been a bit freaked out by that. And it says, There appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were, just a few of them were filled with the Holy Spirit because just a few of them were paying attention. 50% of them were filled with the Spirit. 75% of them were filled with this. What does it say? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they, were, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, the people, when they went out into the streets, thought they were drunk. And Peter said, you know, it's only the ninth hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. So how can we be drunk? So can you imagine the crowd outside listening to all this stuff, all these languages being spoken? How, how would you have responded to that? If that was you, and these guys came out and they got these flaming heads. Quick, get the fire extinguisher, let's put that out. No, and they went into the streets and began to preach. The people thought they were drunk and crazy, just like I thought when I first got saved and I heard people praying and speaking in tongues. I thought they were crazy and actually bonkers. But what was the result of those guys being filled with the Spirit and then going out into the community? Peter preaches and 3,000 get saved. And the church is born and birthed. So what can we, as a church, accomplish with God? With God. With the Spirit within us. When we gather together to worship with one heart, one purpose and one voice and one language. What could we, what could we achieve for God, for God's kingdom? I think far more than people can without God. Would you believe that? Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to finish there and... I'll carry on next week. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when Jesus was going to leave the earth, he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
And John came along, the forerunner of Jesus, and was baptizing people. And then he saw Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus was baptized by John. And Jesus was then tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. He didn't eat or didn't drink. The Bible says that he came out in the power of the Spirit. And the Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. Doing good because God is a good God. You know, when God created everything, he said, it's good. But sadly, the earth has seen corruption. It's seen pain, sickness, and death. That was never the intent of God's heart to do that. But he gave authority to Adam, and Adam sinned. And he was cast out of the garden. He was separated from God. You know, sin separates us from God. And Jesus has commissioned the church, that's everybody, not just the pastor, or the leaders of a church, to go into all the world to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are bound. And sadly, in our world today, when we go about our daily business, our daily lives, there's a lot of pain in our world. There's a lot of sickness in our world. There's a lot of broken people in our world. And I believe the church, I really do believe that the church has the answer in their saviour, Jesus Christ. Jesus came for many reasons, but he came to seek and save that which was lost. And as I'm sharing this morning, are there any here who feel they're lost? Any here who feel, I don't know about this church stuff, I've, my first time here, and I've heard, about, I've heard about God this morning, I've heard about this subject of tongues, and you're not really sure what that what I want to assure you of, my friend, is that Jesus is here. Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. Forty years ago, I bowed my knee and accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord in South Africa. And I haven't looked back. Life hasn't been perfect. Jesus didn't say he's going to take the trouble out of life. But he can help us through the troubles when we, when we hit them. And we all hit troubles in our lives. And you might be here today. Do you know this Jesus that we're talking about? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Have you ever asked him to come into your life? Have you ever repented of your sin and asked Jesus to save you and heal you and set you free? Because that's what he can do. I thought because I was English that I was a Christian because I lived in a Christian nation. Going to church doesn't make us a Christian either, but giving our lives to Jesus do, does. And going to church is a good thing. But maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I believe he's been knocking on the door of your heart. And the thing with that door is the handle is on the inside. And he's never going to force his way into your life. We have to open the, the door of our heart to let him. 
If you're here this morning and you think that's you, while no one's looking around, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, would you just say, yes, I need Jesus in my life today? And just raise your hand up and say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life today. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just want to say, friend, that he loves you. Love is demonstrated, and Jesus demonstrated his love for us by dying on a cross for us. He died for you. If you're the only person here on the planet, God would have saved you. He'd, he would have died for you. And maybe you're here and you know, you've been in church for a while. And maybe you've been hurt by church. And maybe you just didn't feel like going to church anymore, but you're here today. You know, God wants you back. If you've been wandering in the desert and not been serving God or going to church like you could have done, and you want to come back, God wants you back. Am I speaking to you this morning? And if that's you, if you've just drawn away from God, and, but you want to give God another chance, he wants to give you a chance today. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me. Anybody this morning? Just want to return to the Lord. Okay, looks like we're all okay with God. I'm going to pray and we're going to close the service. We're going to have a prayer team up here. They're going to be around the front here somewhere. And if you need prayer for anything, please come and speak to one of the prayer team. Uh, this week and, and next week especially, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you'd like to, just come and speak to the guys as well and they'll pray for you. So I'm going to close the service and we're going to have some fellowship, have some tea and coffee. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the love of Jesus. I thank you for dying for us, Jesus. I thank you for giving us life, life abundant, life to the full. I thank you, Father God, as we leave this place now, that your angels would encamp around about us, keep us safe and free from harm until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stay for tea and coffee and some fellowship. We're going to have the cafe is going to open. I think there's going to be some cake and other stuff to enjoy. So do that. Oh, don't, don't worry, we're not going to clean up.